Mana 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 this is social disgusting. Welcome to Social Disgusting, a podcast where my guests and I discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves. I am Brandon, aka Brandon. Hope you're well. My guest is a writer, director, performer, and podcaster who wrote and directed the great and award-winning short film Brought to You by Satan, which is available on Vimeo, along with being a featured contributor on the nationally syndicated radio variety show Live From Here, and co-hosting the great podcast Mega an improvised satire from the staff of a fictional megachurch. Please welcome Holly Laurent. Welcome. Hey, thanks. Thanks yeah. so much. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate your time. You bet. So weird to go formal after talking for 45 minutes before that, but I know. Here we are, right? Brandon and I have been chatting, and you all have been missing it. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> Little BTS behind the scenes. Yeah, you know, as a. I, I don't ever know, like, I guess I just need somewhere to start, so. Why not the most unfair possible question you can ask? But how are you? It's it, why is that such a hard question? And it's funny that that's our in our culture that's our greeting. Yeah. Like, Hi, how are you? And it's almost like not a question in that way. It's more just like a what's up and um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I find it really interesting because I've heard that I always love to know different uh, cultures greetings or the things they say. Because in where wait where is it in Thailand? No, not Thailand. In um. Where's Bali? Indonesia? Yes. Yeah, in Indonesia, the greeting is, where are you going? (laughs) I like that. Isn't that cool? So it'll just be like, hey, Brandon, where are you going? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, I guess the question of like, how are you has become so, it's been like co-opted as just a throwaway line in a way of just like, how's it going? As you continue to walk past each other in a hallway. It's just the thing you say without the expectation of an actual answer, I guess. I know. And then when you do, but then a lot of times people will put on different qualifiers. Like, no, I really mean that. Like, how are you or whatever? Like, <laughs> No, for and, real. Seriously. And, then, and then, so it's either a total throwaway or it's like, oh God, this level of sincerity is, <laughs> uh, is making me uncomfortable. And I wonder like how much of it is all tied into, because I think it does kind of contribute to what could be like, a toxically sort of like positive expectation for like American exceptionalism, like manifest yeah. destiny. We've been raised on this life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so because the 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 sort of unconscious or the expected answer of like, hey, how are you? is like, oh, great. How are you, man? You know, like we're supposed to say like good and great. Because if somebody's like, hey, how are you? And you're like, man, I'm really shitty. Like I, I don't know how to put one foot in front of the other. People would be like, Jesus Christ. Like I've had that before too where – where I am that person who, when somebody asks, I earnestly answer. And I've had it before where, oh, they had the expectation for a throwaway answer. Some form of like, I'm fine. I'm good. Because when you answer it with a real answer and give them, you know, which is to say, like, sometimes you have bad days. And you're like, yeah, I'm not great today. They all but say, like, Jesus. Yeah. Like, oh, I was, man, I was just asking. Like, I didn't expect any kind of actual human exchange. <laughs> right. Right. It makes me want to just, like always do like a Duncan Trussell style, like full blown, like mania rant. That's just like, (laughs) well, to be completely honest, I'm kind of scared about the intimacy of eye contact as the world opens back up because now I'm fully vaccinated and I'm feeling strangely vulnerable, even though every single day for the last over a fucking solid year while I became an aquarium creature, I've been like shriveling up inside because my (laughs) whole existence and the thing that makes me feel happy to be alive is, is variety and 
experience and connections. And I've lost the very thing that like makes me want to be alive. And so I've like fundamentally changed who I am and I, I feel vulnerable and frightened and I, and I don't know who I will emerge as to be completely honest with you. And I'm, and I strangely, like I used to be afraid of death and now I think, I don't know, maybe death will be a great adventure. And then, then that makes me worried because I'm like, Oh God, like, do I want to die? No, I definitely don't want to die, but I shouldn't be afraid of dying because it's part of like, you know, and just like, have that person who was just like, uh, Sounds good. <laughs> I just wanted to say, hey, and I just wanted to walk by you pretty quickly. And uh... <laughs> I feel like I have some form of that response when somebody, not that it's happened any time soon in the last year, but somebody is like, enjoy your movie. And you're like, you too. And I'm like, shit, no. They're not I, moving. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, they won't enjoy that movie. They work here. Why would they enjoy that movie? Not, and meanwhile, to them, it happens probably 50 times a day. But just to be like, no, I'm a thoughtful person, and I normally would say the right thing, but I just had that in the trigger, apparently, and I just said that. Oh, dear God, I'm so sorry. I know. Isn't that level of self-consciousness kind of bananas? It, it, it's it's like, a lot. Oh, it's a lot. It's really bananas. It's the it's that, that ego stuff. I, like, really want to... Uh, I guess do a lot of drugs to try to get <laughs> ayahuasca. Uh, yeah, like I I want to really and like DMT and stuff to like even just like the amount of mushrooms I've done like the little bit of like a uh, lack of ego. Uh, man, it really is like without that ego bullshit, it really is a general sense of like oh everything's okay, it's all gonna be okay, and yeah we are gonna die and that's okay and like everything's fine everything's yeah. cool <laughs> yeah. but anyway that um that rant i guess was my actual uh answer <laughs> to how am i <laughs> well that's the funny thing is that like the origin of the i guess the thought process of asking that question outside of just having a place to start is that that when i you know again I, we mentioned this off off the air which is to say real life question mark yeah. was that it was a thing that I was thinking about more than ever. Like, how am I in all of this? Mm -hmm. You know, and I still don't, you know, and it changes. Sometimes it feels like every second sometimes, how am I? But it's something that was more in the forefront than ever, I guess, because I couldn't ignore it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. To your point about like mushrooms, you know, I've done them a handful of times and they were delightful experiences. And it was that realization of, wow, I could really do some things if I just got out of my own fucking way. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's funny because I think the one of the reasons I hear people most be generally avoidant of, of things like psychedelics, maybe even like booze and cannabis, I don't know, is that they're like, ah, I just I just don't want to be out of control. You know, I yeah. like I like need to be in control or whatever. And the funny thing is that like once you do like say just a, a even a small amount of mushrooms, you're like, oh, that's so funny and absurd that we think we're ever in control. <laughs> like yeah. that feeling of like if I am sober and not intoxicated, I'm in control. It's like, oh, all this shit is an illusion. <laughs> <laughs> I think also too to be. And I understand that thought process, you know, and I understand people not when to lose control, but I feel like sometimes that that fear and that rigidity towards life can sometimes be a self-fulfilling prophecy, yeah. which can then just create this endless cycle of that rigidity, you know, it can be very, again, like self-fulfilling and self-imposing. But having done, you know, those mushrooms a handful of times, I completely get it. You know, I have that fear of, of doing anything like acid or anything more than that, and that that probably irrational, I'm not really sure, fear of never coming back from it. 
That's a fear. <laughs> but mushrooms are a pretty natural, delightful thing. And I, as an experience, I recommend it to anybody. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, microdosing is great for uh, pulling you out of a funk or like some yeah. general depression, malaise, all of that. But a full trip is, uh, wow, it's really um, wonderful. <laughs> it really is. It really, it, um, I always get a message from it. And in general, I always walk away being like, okay, it's like I went down, it's like, when a fuse blows in your house and you go down into the basement and you open up the box and you find the one that switched the wrong way and you switch it back. It's like, that's what I feel like psychedelics are. It's like, okay, we got a, a few of these like got flipped the wrong way. Let's, let's reset. And it's a, it's a resetting almost of priorities that are all based in like, oh, what are the things that I value? Is my behavior in alignment with that? And in general, all of those values and that behavior is rooted in a fundamental, uh, like, I guess, reality that, like, things are okay. Like, th that's always what mushrooms tell me. Like, that spinning anxiety that I spend so much of my every day in, day out with in this, like, monkey brain is me just being in a cage, an unlocked cage of my own thinking, you know, blah, 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 blah. It, it's really interesting to, like... It, it's interesting to, uh, in terms of that question, how are you? How mm -hmm. am I? And how we can be, we can just do so much ruminating on a daily basis, especially in the pandemic. I mean, we had the, I guess, luxury slash um, grand distraction of like, a busier and uh, more colorful life, you know, before th things kind of slowed down and we went inside. Without some of those distractions, I think we maybe even ruminated more deeply. How am I? How am I today? And the constant, like, you know, uh, flow of it, the ebb and flow. And um, I know that we're all kind of learning that, okay, feelings are meant to be felt and it's information and all that stuff. But there's also... Uh, it's an interesting, I think, like razor's edge of like acknowledging those emotions and accepting the information that they're meant to provide us with, almost like our nerve endings, like, you know, don't touch the hot stove. Like it's providing information, but also I've been listening to a, a lot of George Saunders lately because I've been reading uh, Swim in a Pond in the Rain and I've been listening to him kind of do his like virtual book tour and like do a lot of interviews. And he's a Buddhist and he, you know, it's interesting to hear people like him talk about how like our emotional state, like it's, it's actually not real. <laughs> like it's, it, That's it's, interesting, yeah. it's not, it's like, yes, we should pay attention to them. Yes. My anger is good information to tell me where my values lie. My values are assembled based on like, w w y you know, the, the, uh, creating boundaries for what you believe is like the best for yourself and for others and all of that stuff. And I, yes, it's important. And uh, yes, it was highly destructive the way I spent most of my life doing anything I could to numb those feelings, run from them, drink them away, whatever it is. But it is an interesting razor's edge, I think, to be like, we need to, yes, acknowledge and learn from our emotions and, and welcome them into our lives and, and believe that, like, they're not going to come and stay forever. They're not going to overwhelm us. Like, these are, you know, 
passing things that we don't have to identify with. I don't have to say I am jealous. I can say I'm experiencing jealousy. For me, that's an unpleasant one, but it's not forever. It's just for right now. It's going to come and go like um, all of those things. But then also at the same time to be like, yeah, but that's something I'm experiencing, but it's not reality. It's not it's hard for me to wrap my head around some of this stuff. You and I, before we started recording, we were talking about like physics and the Hadron Collider and the Higgs field and like how we're only operating with five senses and seeing six colors and, and how there's so much more to that. But we, we get really small in our thinking and we think that like what we're experiencing is reality. And it's, it's just, it's just not, and and it's also I think helpful in terms of your question like how are you it's it's really helpful to also be like well today I'm here tonight it might be different and tomorrow it will yeah. be different and and most certainly it will be you know like it's an unfair question for many reasons but certainly I guess part of it too is there's no right or wrong answer and I could ask that in ten minutes and it could be a completely different answer so you know who's to say and I feel like if you were to distill this entire year down. Not that this is in any way necessarily a healthy way to do it, but thinking about if I've learned anything from this last year, what is it? And maybe just about myself, it's that it's okay to not be okay. Like that, that is what I've learned, you know, which isn't, it's just that like, you know, to get letting go of the idea of like shooting for, for perfection. Maybe it's a nice goal. It's a nice thought, but sometimes you can get trapped in that kind of go down the rabbit hole of like, it becoming the only thing and to not be perfect or whatever the case may be is to be a failure when it could just be you just didn't accomplish everything you had set out and that's okay too. And then you learn from that. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. And and um I wonder the ways in which we've changed the things that are knowable to us, the things that are unknowable and like what will stick and what won't and it's wild. It just goes to show of all the things I ever had anxiety about in my life, global pandemic was never one of them. So it really shows how much all that fucking anxiety and like earthquake kit mentality, like how much good it fucking does. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. I talked to a doctor on here and I think I, met, I mentioned this probably plenty of times on the podcast, but I always think about it. And when he was talking about the pandemic and COVID, he had said that COVID doesn't replace the cause of death. It's just another one. And something about the simplicity of that phrasing and the thought process, it wasn't like I was resigned to my fate of, oh no, although it's not ideal. It was more of a, oh shit, yeah, fair enough. That makes sense. Oh, wow. Will you say that again, what he said? He said that COVID doesn't replace the cause of death. It's another one, which is to say there's now (laughs) another thing out there, you know, in a long line of them. But it's just like, you know, it's just, I guess, the realization of like, um, just because we get it, however you define this, quote unquote, under control, it's still a thing that's out there. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) I almost would think it's hard to say, like, if I will walk away with one thing. I've been putting myself in my future shoes, looking back at this time, and I always, in my future ideation of how I'll look back on it. I always am like fantasizing that I'm just going to like be constantly shaking my head and bewildered and like, I don't know what 
happened and how we did that. I don't know how we did that, yeah. but but we did. And I feel like if w- one thing I've learned in it is that I can slow down. I can downshift and then I can downshift again and then I can downshift again and it's going to be okay. And it, and um, And that I can do that. I think there was probably a time where I get really, I fill up my schedule, man. And I do a lot of that, like, you know, uh, my performance in any arena uh, creates my human value. You know, like if I had a great show, I'm a good person. If I was a good friend, I'm a good person. If I was a bad friend, I'm a bad person. If I had a bad show, I'm a shit, I'm a piece of shit player. You know, like it's always that kind of, which is all bullshit and I, knew that intellectually that that's complete bullshit but i think this year has forced me to actually let it sink down into my bones and into my being and to be like you know what if i am not performing well or if i am not performing at all which now that has happened for the first time in my life in all these different arenas, like as a family member, as a friend, as a improviser, as a writer, as a whatever, like if I'm not doing any of it, if I've downshifted all the way out of where I'm not even in gear anymore, <laughs> like I still exist and I have human value and I have love to give and I can still <laughs> like find beauty in the world i i i guess i got to um experience it on a like physical level like down in my being and not just know it on an intellectual level yeah i think to your point you know and this is something that i thought for a minute and it's not exactly by any stretch any kind of revelatory thought but i'm just like i was thinking like man a lot of people myself included are gonna have to are in the position in for many or some to reckon with things they've been avoiding for a long time mm-hmm. or to have conversations that they've been avoiding or haven't wanted to have. And that's, that's a hard thing to face amidst the backdrop of a pandemic or no, just in general, you know? And, and I do think that, and maybe this is just a, a wide eyed optimism, but a part of me is like, man, if we can withstand this, we can withstand a lot of bad shit. Yeah. It's, funny you and I before we started recording we were talking about the idea of even villains or the heroes in their own story and how it can <laughs> be kind of scary I was telling you that I'm all, I'm so impressionable that I always like if somebody starts describing a narcissist I'm like oh no am I a narcissist yeah. if somebody describes a disease I'm like oh I probably have that <laughs> um but I took a writing class during the pandemic with Dave Holmes and one of the assignments he gave us was to write a, I think it was like a 1200-ish word essay about a time in our life in which in the story we are the villain. And mm. it was such an interesting mental journey, man. Because I spent like 24 hours after he gave us that assignment, I spent like a good, I remember taking a shower and like really being like, okay, I'm going to do some good thinking in here while I'm in the shower. Okay, I'm focused. Yeah, yeah. And um, I remember like taking this super long shower and just really going through all my mental files and being like, 
I really have never been the villain. Oh, wow. I'm a truly like, I'm genuinely well-meaning. I really have an intrinsic deep desire to do good in the world. And and Brandon, this probably lasted for like, I don't know, maybe a few hours. Maybe it was a full day where I was just like, huh, wow. I'm a really good, Jesus Christ, I'm a really good person. I like have never really, I, I really can't find a time. And then all of a sudden, I was like, oh, wait, well, this. And I like started remembering this one time. And I was like, oh, yeeps. Ooh, ouch. Ooh, ooh, ow, 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 ow. Oh, 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 ow, ow, ow. I don't like to think about that. Oh, yuck. Whoa, that's ugly. Whoa, that was bad. That was, wow, that's embarrassing. Oh, that's a bad one. That's a bad story. Yeah, from her perspective, I could have been a, and then the floodgate opened. And I was like, oh shit thinking of all these things where it's like whoa it it is bone chilling to be like you you we really are so we are kind of such egomaniacs and we really are you know they say like you know from the time we're born it's like a developmental stage where you think your mom is just this like robot who exists to like serve you and you are the center of the movie like you are in a movie and the whole movie's about you (laughs) And we're supposedly supposed to like grow out of that developmental phase. But like in a lot of ways, ego wise, we like never really do. Like it's really all about us, you know? Yeah. And it's crazy how much even in the times I can look at the stories in which like you could say like, yes, objectively, like I was the villain in that story, in that thing that happened between me and her, us and them or whatever. Like, holy cow. Because when I was in it, I would not have thought that. I would have been like, but here's all of my, this is where I'm coming from and this is how I see it and this is what I want and this is how it hurt my feelings. You know what I mean? And it's like, when you think about that on like a scale of like all villains, it's like, oh, that's scary. (laughs) Well, it's funny that you could, you can, in a situation, be the villain simply for the fact that you know your intention, but you don't communicate that. Like it can be such an easy way Mm -hmm. to take on that role, you know, because perception is reality as they say, as much right. as that annoys the shit out of me. Because in my brain, I'm like, but it's not. It's really not. <laughs> I know it's not, but it, but that's... But we think it is. I know people that have said that to me, and I'm like, okay, I'm like, enjoy that. That's not what that is. That's fine. I understand. But I don't... So it's all me justifying my own bullshit, too, at the same time. But I was curious about one thing, too, that you mentioned earlier on in, in our recorded episode, not our behind-the-scenes pre-episode episode, that I know that you are maybe like as of today or yesterday now fully vaccinated, right? Yes. Yesterday was my two-week mark out from the second shot. So I guess my question for you is now what? Because I'm not far behind. I'm like six days behind you maybe. And I still don't know how to define that, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's very interesting because that light appeared and just like that a light appears at the end of the tunnel and and yet in many ways i'm like but i became one of those fish that's so deep in the ocean i don't got eyes no more (laughs) (laughs) so i don't even see the light but i sense it in eh, what does it mean and i think for me i as much as my instinct as an enthusiast and a person who really like craves like variety and connection and experience, um, I like part of me 
is like, oh, knowing me, I got to like jump in. I'm, I'm going to jump off this high dive with both feet and I'm going to do 10 flips on the way down and I'm going to belly flop and I'm going to feel it all and I'm going to do it all. And I think like now that it's actually becoming a reality, that's how I felt when the day I got my first shot. It was just like, holy shit, I'm going to do it all. I'm going to book plane tickets. I'm going to start hugging people. It's, it's so close. It's right around the corner. Yeah. And now I'm like, uh, as it's kind of becoming reality, I'm like, I, I guess I'm just going to uh, take it one day at a time. And like maybe hugging people when I see them is enough for now. And yeah. then and then I'll do the next thing. I really don't know because I I I really don't know. I did hug my neighbor the other day for the first time and it felt very surreal and I think I just need to give myself time. Yeah. What what do you think? I don't know. I it's when I think about it I think I understand the tendency for anyone to want to go like full bore into it again, you know, back, uh, back. But all I, what I think about when I think about that possibility is as much as it feels weird to say it's still early days because it's been a year, it is still early days. But because most people aren't vaccinated yet, you know? So yeah. although in theory, I will not die from it if I were to get it, I could still just as easily get it uh, now as I could before. Yeah. And then I could get somebody else sick who isn't vaccinated. Yeah. Or even if they were vaccinated, I could. the idea of getting somebody sick is a more frightening prospect to me than my getting sick, which is still a frightening prospect. Yeah. So, you know, and the idea of like back to it, back to life, I, I, it just feels to me like the idea of like seeing the finish line and stopping before you get there. I've waited this long, so what's however long more, you know? Because, I mean, truth be told, I just feel like a fourth wave is inevitable. I, I yeah. do. And maybe that's just my coping mechanism yeah. to stave off, you yeah. know, not wanting to get burned by the idea that it's right. over, we're done. Right. But it does feel inevitable, quite frankly. Yeah, I know. And, and, and I don't think it'll be as... Uh, it'll be disappointing for sure if that happens, but at least now we know how to do it, yeah. you know? Whereas like, remember how, like the absolute, how disorienting it was in the beginning when we were like, what if this is three weeks? <gasps> this might go till, this might go till April. This might go <laughs> till May. Like, yeah, and we, we were, were so, so innocent then. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but I will say, I went to the grocery store yesterday, which I had completely stopped doing. I was only doing the contactless, like, curbside pickup, blah, blah, blah. I went to the grocery store yesterday, and it was positively exquisite to be in a really good mask. I was in a triple filter, you know, mat, like, full, like, face-squeezing mask. And... um it was so nice to not be afraid and to not be like, you're coming too close to me. You know, all that, yeah. all that stuff. It was, that was pr pretty great. I also, strangely, especially because I'm so like anti-authoritarian and stuff, there was something I kind of liked because, you know, we're always under like such insane surveillance in this police state. Um, there was something I kind of liked about being like, when I'm out in public, I have my identity covered. Like I like being <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm hidden. I can be a spy. <laughs> it's none of your fucking business what my face looks like. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but I did um, like sit with friends since becoming like full Max Vax. And um, I do have to say, and I heard you say this when you were doing the podcast with Eli, 
sitting next to someone and looking them in the eye, like maybe like a foot and a half apart, like when we would make eye contact, like our when our eyes, like it, it felt very intimate, almost like I felt like I had to look away. Like, I'm sorry, I just looked at, like almost <laughs> like, like I'm like, I, I'm sorry, I just looked at you naked, you know? And it was like, like it's illicit, yeah. Yeah, like, is it okay if I, if my eyes like keep looking into your eyes for like longer than a half second? Is that okay? <laughs> you know, which is. I've forgotten human connection. Yeah, man. Yeah. See, I'm looking forward to that. I know, um, like a friend of mine is in town and has, and I've just been waiting to be fully vaccinated before meeting up. But that'll be in this pandemic, in terms of friends, in the span of the last little bit over a year or however long, this will be the second friend I've seen during all of this. Whoa. So it's going to be very, uh, it's going to be overwhelming in a yeah. great way but overwhelming. Wait, so have you been alone in terms of like during the pandemic you weren't touching anyone? Uh, I mean, no. Yeah, no. Did you get that. that stuff I've read about that's like um skin hunger and like touch starvation where it actually Probably. creates like physical pain and stuff, like like hunger no. pains? No, I want to read up on that actually, but no, I mean, um, my parents live like 10 minutes away. So, and they were taking proper precautions, so I've been able to see them. During all this, which obviously mm, uh, really mitigates that to some degree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and having uh, a cat has been invaluable. Thank God oh, for her. Oh, yeah. It, that it, it is. That is a thing. Yeah. That is a real thing. That is being touched. Yeah. Like, so it's, you know, it's, I, I do think that like humans innately need to feel each other's energy and, and vibe, as it were, but like connect and be around each other to some degree, that, that tribalistic element. And so to be without that is truly unnatural. Yeah. So yeah. there's going to be an adjustment period and it's going to be weird, but a good kind of weird. And I think that, you know, I I can't go back to like a maskless life, at least not for the foreseeable future because it just feels... No. I don't know. It just feels so weird and like deeply... It's like not wearing a seatbelt. It feels so unsafe yeah. to yeah. not do so. Yeah. I think I'll always wear them on planes from now on. Like Agreed, yes. A, like not a fucking chance in hell. And um, yeah, man, that's really, that's really interesting. In the same way, I was reading once... I'm a super dog. I have a dog. I just love dogs. And um, it, it, I was reading about how like when your dog um, smells you, the scent of you uh, uh, lights up the pleasure centers of her brain, of your dog's brain. Um, and I was like, oh, that's so cool. That's so great. That's so lovely. And when I was reading, when I was doing a little bit of reading about the like touch starvation and like skin hunger that people were experiencing in the pandemic, I was reading about there's this thing called havening where if you basically cross your hands in front of your body, almost like in that straight jacket kind of like, a look or like the way you lay in a casket yeah and you put your hands at the top of your shoulders and then you softly rub down towards your elbows and then you go back up and you touch your shoulders and rub all the way down to your elbows it's called havening and it's a it's a thing that therapists like were having their patients who were getting some of this like this touch starvation that becomes like I get I, if I'm understanding it right it becomes like physical pain like the way how you're when you get really really hungry your stomach actually hurts 
Interesting. Because it's like a, an actual physical need, just like food, because we have evolved to be, we're, we're tribal, we're social creatures, we're social animals. It's like withdrawal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they would do this havening thing or whatever. But I think the same thing happens with um, when you touch your pet, your animal, to caress an animal and to kind of like scratch them and rub them and, and caress them, or when they come up and lean on you or lick you or uh, rub their head on you or whatever, that it actually does light up the pleasure centers of your brain. And you get this release of, of like chemicals into your body just from from the act of petting a cat or petting a dog, like that act of care releases like really beautiful chemicals in our body that are really good for us. So I think that's another incredible thing about animals in the pandemic has been like, wow, it really is. Uh, like sometimes I almost get into the commuter lane, the HOV lane when I have my dog with me because I'm like, oh, I'm there's two of us. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, not al- I'm not driving alone. <laughs> Not only is this is this a person, it's arguably more of a person. <laughs> it's pure joy and love. Yes, and I think about going back to some of the stuff we were talking about earlier. I don't know if it's when we were recording or not, but just the like the how in terms of like our feelings, our ego, our rumination, the nature of reality, the way we're experiencing things, our perceptions, all that stuff, like. I look at cats and dogs like the way a cat will be like, it's time to die. I feel it. I'm slowing down and I'm going to go out right. into the woods and I'm going to die. And that it's this, it doesn't, as far as we can tell in terms of their consciousness, it doesn't seem like this angsty thing. I, I watch my dog and I don't think in the same way I have this like angst about the finitude of life and 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 my own mortality and stuff. I don't, I don't see her struggling with that. Again, I can't speak for like, her conscious thoughts and what her consciousness is like, but it just doesn't seem like they have that same thing that we do with it. Like where, where it's almost like, again, referring back to George Saunders, like it's the, the like holding on and like white knuckling, like, Oh, but I love life. I want to stay alive. Like that that's actually creating more more suffering like in in his book Lincoln and the Bardo the ghosts in the graveyard the only way they were able to stay there in that Bardo state of the in-between was by continuing to tell themselves the stories of their pain was the only way they could stay in Bardo in in the in-between and not move on and that there is some like Tibetan and Buddhist thinking that like our mind, our consciousness is, it could be a wild horse that's powerful and capable of this adventure. And for this physical life, our consciousness has been tied, that, that wild stallion has been tied to the post of our physical body and that death will be cutting that tie. And like, maybe it's going to be so much better, like if we can accept it as a part of life rather than have this like angst about it and i like the idea that simplicity could be enlightenment you know to your point about like a cat going off in the woods to die as a part of the the circle of life but that you know they're not exactly it's not shakespearean they're not delivering this monologue before going out oh what a tortured life i've lived it seems to be relatively matter of fact or at least you know i guess relative to to what it is to be the the angst and overriding fear of death of what it is to be a human, you know, it's 
right? It's a very interesting thought. And I wonder if all this like ageism and like especially the cruelty that's inflicted on females definitely and mm-hmm. and and males for sure but maybe less so in terms of like aging and all that stuff like I wonder if all of that like ageism and like uh, you know, the the fight to like stay young and to look young and to feel young and to appear young and everything. It's just that there's this like almost this unconscious, like when we see older people, when you see those spots appearing on your hands and those lines on your face, like that when people see that, they're like, oh, you're dying <laughs> or like you're closer to death. Like, and I'm scared of that, yeah. you know, rather than revering it and being like, oh, you know, like, you not only do you have this wisdom from like more life than me but like you're closer to the like great adventure you know like just uh i think so much of our suffering really is like the way that we think and again like those are cages that have never been locked um i think to your point like um yeah death can be a frightening prospect but then again without it life is meaningless it's the thing that gives life stakes, you know, like, yeah, oh, would you want to live forever? No, that would be so goddamn boring. That'd be terrible. I know. There's no context to life. There's nothing to live for. I could just see myself falling asleep on a couch for 50 years. And what's the difference at that point? Absolutely. Like, that's what makes summertime so great is wintertime, <laughs> yeah, you know? Exactly. And that's what makes wintertime so great is summertime. Like it's, it's yeah, I, I think that too. I, I've been getting into that in some of the stuff with my podcast, Mega, the like commentary of like, really, Christians, you, that, that's what you want. I mean, it gives you something good to say at funerals, I guess. But like, have you really thought about <laughs> eternal life? <laughs> it's like one of those things where, um, you say it and on a very surface level. It's like, well, that sounds nice. But if you unpack it for two seconds, you're like, wait, what's going on here? <laughs> I know. I know, like, oh, God. Like, I guess I would go, I don't know, find Napoleon, be like, what are you doing? And then I would go, like, I don't know, like, watch the devil torture Hitler for a while. I don't know. And then after a while, it would become like, gr- the, 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 when it, it would be when you get to the montage in Groundhog Day where Bill Murray just wakes up and immediately kills himself and, uh, you know, as many creative ways as possible. <laughs> I feel like it would just be a series of me over the course of decades or centuries starting to do something and then just shrugging and saying, oh, who gives a shit? And then moving on to something else. And that's repeating <laughs> that in perpetuity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's another thing I love about psychedelics is evidently a lot of psychedelics are used for end of life things of just like, oh, it brings such a like peace and a calm and a joy and a like, yeah, like the cat, you know, meandering into the woods and lying down like this is next. This is a part of life. This is OK. Like, it's all OK. See, I want that desperately. I guess ultimately. And it's such a easy, again, easy thing to say, very difficult thing to do. Just ego death. I just want to get out of my own way. If I can do that, and of course, that's a big if, and it feels like it's a thing that I minimally think about, if not try to tackle on some minute level every day, it's just, if I can get out of my own way, I could do some pretty good things, I think. I think think so. But it's just, again, easy to say, very difficult to do. 
A hundred percent. And it's, again, it's something we all know intellectually, but how do we ingrain that and integrate it into a transformational, like, being thing? And it's, I think, why I owe such a debt of gratitude to improv and why I devoted my life to improv is because it feels like magic to me in those moments where it's it's sort of like how I would imagine heroin and like oh I got to do heroin again because I want to get back to that one thing like ah oh, you get yeah. it you get it occasionally in um, improv where it's like uh, when you enter flow the the it it, it it the 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 loud inner monologue of your ego sort of dissipates. And you are present and affected <laughs> and able to like be in that river with other people. And God damn, is that flow like my, my drug of choice. Oh, God. It's so great. It's so great. Especially because like I, I have ADD. And so it's always like I'm kind of like looking through like. I'm looking out at the scene I'm in almost like through something as thin as a coffee straw in terms of like <laughs> <laughs> in terms of like how loud that like inner monologue is of my brain just like brrr, like going crazy. And so what I can like see through the, that tiny little opening of that coffee stirrer <laughs> length, like if I can the moments where I can shoot through there and then fully be in that scene in that moment and like see it 360. <sighs> Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, I mean, in terms of speaking of something seemingly liberating, I've not done it, but a couple months ago, you did, were on a flying trapeze. Oh, yeah. How <gasps> was that? That would scare the shit out of me, but I bet it was amazing. It was absolutely terrifying. And as I was doing it, I was like, why, 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 why am I, why am I doing this? Why am I doing it? I don't have to do this. I can't. Why am I doing it? was, it was terrifying and the first time i was gonna go up it was so weird a, a friend of mine was like she she <laughs> she was like she mentioned doing something with trapeze and i was like oh my god tell me more about that and she was like oh just come and i was like oh no mm. no i just wanted to hear you talk about it <laughs> just tell like, me the story and no i'm good forever just tell me the story forever and she, <laughs> she was like no just come and i don't know if it was like pandemic boredom or what but i went I, I don't know how it wasn't until I was on the ladder climbing up and the ladder was terrifying because it was like wow 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 it was acting like a long skinny rubber band and it was so high on the and I was like clutching the fucking ladder I was like oh my god I've never gone this high on a ladder I was so scared just on the ladder I was like what what is happening and the next thing I know I'm up there and the guy was like hey um so do you want to go upside down and link your knees over it and hang upside down on this one? And at this point, I've never even just hung by my arms. I don't even know if I'm strong, strong enough to hang by my arms. I'm like, and, and the first thing I said was I was, he was like, okay, so uh, when I go, huh, you're going to drop. And I was like, okay. And, he, and he's like, do you want to hang from your knees on this one? Like the very first one. And I was like, and I looked at him and I was like, no. <laughs> And he almost like 
the, when I said no, he almost like fell over backwards. He was so stunned. He, he was like, Whoa, what? Why? Why wouldn't you want to do that? And I was like, I don't know if I can. And he was like, there's only one way to find out. And I was like, fuck you. Because that's like always what I tell my improv students when yeah. they're always just like, will this work if I try to do this? I'm always like, one way to find out. <laughs> no, I say that to people. You don't say that to me. <laughs> I know. And like, <laughs> and especially with improv, like it's all failure. And it's like why improv students, like it's it's all about failure. And, and it's improv is striking out, you know, I mean, th- if you even think about it in terms of baseball, if, if somebody bats 500, that's like the best possible number. Hitting 40%, getting 40% of your hits is a historic all-time season. Yeah. 40%. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and improv students, like, I think there's this thing where you're like, we're, we're supposed to connect with the ball 100% of the time, right? And it's like, no, no, no. This is mostly failure. That's how you figure out what works is by eating shit over and over and over again and learning how to have fun doing that. So yeah. now I'm up on this fucking trapeze and I'm like, oh my God. And, um, but yeah, in, in that one, I was shaking so hard that I didn't know i thought maybe as soon as i like dropped i would just fall straight into the net and not even like be hanging onto the goddamn bar (laughs) but wouldn't you know within a couple things at first the trying to turn upside down i was trying to pull myself up with my arm strength i didn't have arm strength i didn't realize like i could just leave my arms completely straight just uh crunch up my body and bring my legs up on their own and then even once i got my legs around it they were like let go and i was like Fuck no, because I I haven't hung by my knees since I was 10 years old. I'm like, I don't know if I can hang by my knees. I'm just going to like shoot head first down into the net like a bullet. Like, I don't know if I can hang by my knees. And, and I could tell the guy could knew what I was thinking. And he just yelled to me. He goes, point your toes. And as soon as I pointed my toes while hanging by my knees, it made the like, the like torque around the like bar harder like i could tell that like i was on there as soon as i pointed my toes it made the like it made my knees like squeeze that bar so much harder and then the next thing i knew i was like hanging by my knees and he was like arch your back and look backwards and i looked up and the other guy was right there holding his arms out and i let go and he grabbed me out of the air and i did a full catch and was like oh talk about heroin i'm like ooh, i got a new drug baby well i'm gonna chase that trapeze dragon everywhere now Oh, my God. And truly, like, feeling so, like, bored and, like, just for me, variety is the spice of life and routine is the sugar of death. And so having just subsided on nothing but the sugar of death for a year, I was like, I have to do this. And, um, man, a, like, sweaty, shirtless, like, squirrely trapeze guy, like, pulling you out of the air, honestly, was one of the most (laughs) erotic (laughs) things in my whole life. I'm like, these guys must get laid constantly. (laughs) He just, like, grabbed me out of the air. (laughs) I'm like, I think we have to fuck now? (laughs) You're like, oh, I should have just, who needed, ever needed a dating app when you could just have a singular trapeze artist? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty good. Although that said, I'm like talking this big game. She has asked me like three more times, like, hey, do you want to go fly? Hey, do you want to go fly? And I'm always like, I can't this week. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, busy, busy during this pandemic. Can't do it. I've already flown. I think I've flown for a while. I did it. I mean, and honestly, I have never in my life felt that I have pecs. 
and like that that like that ligament thing in your armpit my god was the pain exquisite for about a week i was oh, I imagine. the most sore i've ever been in my life but it and was- that's one of those central pains that you can't get away from it's just constant oh yeah it's like is it, man how was your arm after the shot was that a pretty exquisite pain itself it it hurt yeah it was it was just there you know it was yeah. like it was always noticeable but not so overwhelming that it was all i thought about yeah. it was like kind of one of those things where you just kind of adapt to it and you're like yep still there still kind of swollen and it it was there i would guess 4 or 5 days maybe you know and i tried the rubbing method i mean i was lucky that i didn't really have at least like the worst symptoms i just had i mean i i had um DM'd you when I failed to respond in a timely manner because I had I had some real foggy brain for about a day or yeah. so, but it was it was manageable. I think I lucked out certainly more than not. Did you have symptoms? Um, not on the first one, and on the second one, I got a little bit achy, but I was I was fine for the most part. My husband Greg uh got real sick twenty four hours. He was on his ass for like twenty four oh, wow. hours, but. Uh, I mean, it's the price you pay for getting the mark of the beast, man. You can't go 5G without some pain and suffering. Blah, 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 blah. Look, I want to know that Bill Gates is tracking me. So <laughs> give me symptoms. You know, it is that weird thing of like to feel something as a result of the vaccine is like, well, this sucks, but it's reassuring because it feels like I can now quantify that it's doing something. That doesn't really make any sense. But in my brain, I'm like, okay, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think the other thing I'm really excited about, I mean, one of my favorite things in the world is to eat at restaurants with friends, like to have wine and delicious food because I'm not really a cook and I don't really, you know, and, and I just love going to restaurants. I love sitting at a table with loved ones and indulging. I'm just like, oh, it's the best. And so I really am so excited about restaurants. I'll probably still only be outside and have my mask on when I'm not eating. But man, I'm really excited to eat some restaurant food. Oof. Oh, same. Like that, the idea of like hanging with friends and like commiserating and eating good food, and like, oh, you should try this, you try this. And yeah. just that communal aspect. Yeah. That and a movie theater. That I also want to do. Although the fact that it is enclosed, you don't know who's sitting where, you're in a dark room, my self-consciousness is going to prevent me from going probably back for a minute. But it's just that, you know, it's not the most adventurous thing, obviously, but it's also just like, it's a warm blanket experience for me, and I really want that again. Oh, and and live music. (gasps) Oh, yeah. I can't wait to do drugs and go to shows. (laughs) Oh, God, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Oh God, I I absolutely can't wait. I uh, Greg, uh, my husband Greg is in the Improvised Shakespeare Company, which is this like kick ass, like some of the greatest improv in the world. It's amazing. And yes. um, have you seen it? I've seen videos. It's not the same thing by any stretch, but just to get an idea of what it is to improvise that oh. is unbelievable. Yeah, they're so smart and so funny and so good. And um. They just booked July 31st at the Ford Theater, which is like walking distance to our house in the Hollywood Hills. Like they, um, it's like Red Rocks. It's like the, the, oh, when wow. you're, it's like small and outdoor. And the back of the stage, the backdrop of the stage is like a canyon wall with like vines and succulents. And like it's just, 
I'm so excited. Greg, I, I can't wait. I've already like picked out my dress and my drugs. Greg's like, you're going to do drugs for an improvised Shakespeare show? I'm like, yes, I don't give a <laughs> shit. <laughs> I'm going to be laughing at all the wrong parts. The question isn't, am I doing drugs? It's what drugs am I going to do? <laughs> I'm Between you and me and the lamppost, all I ever want to do is MDMA. It is the fucking best. But like... You can only do, I try to only do it like once or twice a year or once a season, maybe four times a year tops. Cause you know, uh, you gotta keep it special, but man, <laughs> it's man, just, I've heard doctors like in the maps program talk about how it's like kind of the perfect drug and it's like the drug of self-compassion. And I think that's what's so exquisite to me is that like especially having grown up evangelical and being really hard on myself in general and um my inner critic being so so loud and and often so so mean and really just trying to like prepare me for the worst like as a protection mechanism but it's very painful and like man on mdma to just be like i am smiling from ear to <laughs> ear and i genuinely feel this way and like well i think i think we're both HSPs, highly sensitive people. Oh my God, yes. So that's kind of like the perfect, you know, like drug of choice for that particular thing, I think. That's interesting. Yeah, I am an HSP. That's my, when I was in therapy, she was like, have you ever heard of the HSP? I'm like, no, what's that? I mean, I have it so insanely that like for me, it's it's all five senses. It's like I can only wear pure cotton, like lighting in a room, sound, music, everything. Like I'm so sensitive, but also extremely empathic too and like having to figure out how to, you know, like take care of myself and not like feel like, you know, parties are extremely stressful for me because like um, having to manage that, like I'm feeling everything that people are feeling most in the room, you know? It can be overwhelming. Yeah. No, it can be so much to take. I think for me, like it definitely, and granted, this is what other people have told me. So uh, this is not me being like, I'm an HSP. That's my personality. Like that's just what other people told me. And I've got the book, Highly Sensitive Person by uh, Elaine Aaron. Yeah. That admittedly, I still need to read or at least finish, uh, which I will. (laughs) Yeah. But like, yeah, you know, it feels like uh, it can just be a lot, but something could be said for like, I guess the MDMA experience or... <clears throat> excuse me, or mushrooms to a certain extent of what, how much more freeing that feels to, to some degree anyway, uh, to alleviate yourself of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, do you cry a lot? Do you cry easily? No, but when I, do, I don't cry a lot, but when I, when I, those, the floodgates, the literal and figurative floodgates open, I'm not like wheezing and bawling, but I cry a fair amount, you know, it just, I guess yeah. it takes me more to get there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I cry really easily. Like I watched that um that concert documentary, I guess what you call it, the in and of itself. On oh yeah, Hulu, and I just bawled my eyes out the Me entire too. time. Me and too. I, it was amazing. It was a great experience. But I just yeah. cried so many, like really hard, so many times. Yeah, me too. I was like, also. Fuck you, man. That's the one person show I wanted to create. <laughs> um, it was so good. And I thought so long and hard. I'm like, how did he do that at the end? And I think I know. I think I know. And I know a lot of people said earpiece. And I, I really do think it, it's just there are memorization techniques of him. Like, I think it's like a mind palace thing or something. I, yeah, 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 yeah. That's but, how I took it. But he, um, he's... Very good in an unassuming way, which is part of why he's so good. Yeah. 
it's an unbelievable thing, you know, and I, even if I, I mean, I could never have created that, but at the very least, I wish I would have experienced that in person. Yeah. Oh, I would have been a wreck. He would have said whatever card I picked and I would have just like fallen down in, in an emotional just heap of like fat and bones. Just been done. Did you see the movie um, Call Me By Your Name? I did. The I watched that on a fucking plane. It oh, was no. kind, kind of funny too because like I think there's like a 10-year-old sitting next to me and I'm like, not my fucking problem. I'm gonna watch these dudes fuck for a while. Sorry, kid. <laughs> but um, but that part where he has the the Timothy Chalamet character has that conversation with his dad yeah. about about like being in love and getting your heart broken and like experiencing like beautiful sex that like overwhelms your senses and all that stuff. Like I was so I the. the what his dad told him in that conversation in that scene, I was so blown back by that because everything from my like evangelical fundamental like Christian background, like I was fully expecting the father to be like, you little sick fuck. Yeah. You you know, whatever. And um, the fact that he's just like, oh, wow, what you experienced can be so rare and it's so beautiful and you're so lucky. You're so lucky. Like just like feel it, feel all of it. And like the the extreme like joy and the like devastating pain and the highs and the lows of it. Like that, just the unexpected, just being so not expecting the father to have that reaction. I started crying so hard on this plane. <laughs> yeah. I like kind of, I like the flight attendants were coming up to me and bringing napkins and stuff and being like, are, are you okay? <laughs> like, what are you mourning? Because something very big just happened. They're like, are we going to have to land this plane? <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on with you? <laughs> I think on top of two of like not expecting what he said, you know, and the nature of what he said. But on top of that, Michael Stuhlbarg, Gay, like he's an incredible actor. I mean, dear uh, God. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. also that delivery of that on top of it is such like a thoughtful, gentle, beautiful delivery, like so deeply empathetic and like lived in, for lack of a better phrase. That on top of that too, it was a it's a deeply affecting moment. Oh, oh, and even the ending, you know, where it's just Timothy Chalamet looking uh. into. Uh, a chimney, I guess, into a fire, yeah, and just crying over the credits was a that really affected me too. I think there are a lot oh, of beautiful yeah. moments in that movie. Oh yeah, and what and the idea of if I got it right that like even the great love that 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 the dad his dad has with his mom was in many ways a like settling kind of mm. love and like how what that is and how actually like excruciating and also beautiful that is yeah yeah like, i guess the idea of um it's its own kind of love even if it's not the quote-unquote perfect love yes yeah, yeah or or the big one that sometimes yeah. you never get or you only get once or whatever you know yeah yeah, yeah I, I do love that movie and um i don't know it feels weird to say now because timothy chalamet is there's so much ubiquity around him and he's so known you know not that he wasn't you know, he wasn't some unknown at the same time at th when that movie came out. But I do think that that is, I think of any age, one of the best performances I've ever seen. A hundred percent. Oh, but then also I wasn't even thinking of this. Was that Army Hammer? That is, yes, which is... Uh, oh, God. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I've uh, I've not seen that movie, uh, certainly in the wake of everything that's come out about <laughs> him, which is 
I mean, singularly awful, awful, reprehensible, let alone collectively unfathomable. Like, dear God, I was just talking to a friend of mine yesterday about him and just about like, basically, we were, we were saying things that amounted to army hammer, because it's just like, dear God, everything about it's awful, just terrible. It's sort of like if you're kind of like wanting, if you look at it in terms of improv, where you're like, okay, okay. Like if the thing we're heightening is like kink or whatever, like what's your kink, man? What's your gross thing or your whatever? Like I wouldn't have even in an improv scene like to heighten, you know, like I I couldn't have. I remember when I when it first heard about I was just like, wait, what? (laughs) Like Exactly. Wow. I wouldn't have picked that out of a hat ever. Like that if, if you were like. Okay, we're going to give this character a trait, and we're just going to write things on a piece of paper, put them in a hat, and you draw them out of the hat. That's not something somebody would come up with to put in the hat, even in a (laughs) wild scenario. I know. I know. I would have been like, oh, shooting into outer space and fucking God. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, that's my heightening of kink. I don't know. Like, what's... (laughs) Yeah, it's not even a thing that would occur to me. Yeah. Even in a in a heightened situation, you know, where you're just like, just really go for it. You put some wild shit out there. Cannibalism, I guess, kink or no, where I guess in that realm, it's not a literal kink. It's not a literal thing. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know what know. what is the category. I have no idea. I don't know. It's just not a word that I ever hear and ever feel comfortable. That much I know. I, I don't know. hear cannibalism, and I'm like, hmm, cannibalism. As I like wistfully look out into a sunset, it's never a good thing that I want to hear. Yeah, it's funny. One of my one of my best friends was so just like matter of fact about it. She was like, "Well, it's just too good looking and too rich. It's just too good. That's what happens. It happens every day when you you can't be that good looking and that wealthy. You just can't. You can You get weird." <laughs> the other day, I watched a documentary on. Um, it's a documentary on Netflix. It was. It's you know. It's about rich people being duped into buying fake art forged art and literally within the first three to five minutes army hammer's father is named as the one funding the art forgeries and you know in the wake of all of this and what we know about army hammer and just like oh that's a family and a person capable of anything and when he did that i i all but threw my hands up and was like of course oh yeah (laughs) getting your your money through shady means that makes so much sense yeah jesus Well, on that yeah. note... <laughs> I'm going to say that's as good a way to end this as any on cannibalism and art forgery. So uh, thank you for doing this. This has been a real... Da- this has been a damn delight. I'll say Oh, Brandon, how lovely to connect across the miles. And um, <laughs> hey, best of everything with your second shot and with getting out there in that restaurant food and being with friends. And um, Thank you. Here we go. And uh, I know. if there is a fourth wave... Let's get back on the let's get back on the horn. <laughs> yeah, I'm all about it. I hope we didn't come to that just for the sake of what the implications yeah. of that fourth wave are. But hey, if so, I'd, I'd love to do this again. But uh, what all too do you want to point people toward? I know you have Mega, which is a fantastic podcast. Mega the podcast. It's a um, comedy. It's an imp- fully improvised um, satire of a fictional mega church. Each episode, we have a guest on who plays. Uh, we have an improviser comedian on who plays a different uh, member of the church staff or community. And man, it has honestly saved us in the pandemic. It has saved 
me because it, it, it gets, I get to itch that improv scratch. And um, man, we just did one with Jason Manzukas for Easter, which was honest to God, like such a treat. And um, amazing. The, 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 all the episodes, I just, I think we have so much fun. And if it can bring levity to others, all the better. So Mega the Podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you know what? On um, the 17th, on Saturday, I have an article coming out in Mayday magazine called Villain, and it's the end product of the piece I started writing about the time in which I was a villain. Oh, okay. I want to read that. So you can look that up in Mayday magazine. I have a link tree in my um, Instagram uh, okay. l- like LinkedIn profile, and it has links to like um, both of my podcasts and uh, my short film, and I'm going to start like getting more of my essays in there because I'm currently writing a book of humorous essays. And um, But oh, cool. yeah, so yeah. But um, I really want to thank you for the really thoughtful and lovely conversation and um, for the opportunity to, to connect. It's what I live for, baby. <laughs> oh, I'm all about it too. No, I, first of all, like, of course, I just appreciate your time. And on top of that, though, I love the conversation. I Anything that's like free flowing goes wherever everything's on the table. That's like the best. I can't. It's it's difficult to beat that in this world. So thank you. Yeah, this is great. So from one highly sensitive person to another, <laughs> uh, thank you for this, and I hope you are on MDMA someday soon. Thank you. Hashtag life goals as an MDMA HSP. Um, <laughs> thank you all for listening. Please take care. Please wear a mask or seven. Stay safe. Get vaccinated, please, and take care. Bye.